0: Welcome to IOM3 Investigates, the podcast series of the Institute of Materials, Minerals and Mining. We are one of the UK's major science and engineering institutions and our activities are focused on the promotion and development of all aspects of the material cycle. These include the science, design, engineering and technology of materials, minerals and mining and their practical applications. We facilitate qualifications, professional recognition and development, share knowledge and provide networking services to a global membership and wider community. We hope you enjoy our podcast series.
1: Hello and welcome to IOM3 Investigates. I'm Rupal Mehta, editor of the Institute's member magazines, Materials World and Clay Technology, and today I'm hosting a podcast on material science outreach. How can we encourage more individuals and from different backgrounds into material science? Our guests today are Lorna Harriet jones faculty leader in 3D product design for 11 to 16-year-olds at the Harris Academy in Rugby, UK and a previous winner of the IOM3 Sir Colin Humphrey Education Award, who brings years of experience in outreach work on material science. Next, we have Dr. Stella Pedrosini, a lecturer in engineering alloys and metallurgy at Imperial College London, UK, a STEM ambassador for the past four years, member of the Discover Materials Initiative and winner of the 2021 IOM3 Silver Medal. And finally, Dr. Mark Coleman, Programme Director of Materials at Swansea University UK, as well as its Public Engagement and Outreach Coordinator and Co-Chair of the Discover Materials Initiative. Thank you for joining us all. If you could please talk about what materials science outreach means to you briefly and um, where you have all focused your efforts in this space so far. Um, If you want to kick off for us, Lorna. Yeah, absolutely. It really is a marvelous initiative
0: the outreach and it for me and the students is all about making connections. The links for students and staff with industry are absolutely imperative. It's going beyond what a teacher can support. So without that, you're not upskilling the the teachers to be able to deliver more specific information uh, when they're conducting their everyday lessons so it isn't just about the students for me it's about um, linking staff and students and giving them opportunities to develop knowledge and skills.
1: Thanks um, Lorna I think that point about the teachers is is really interesting and one we'll we'll come back to later Um, Stella if you can share some of your thoughts and experience in this area.
2: Sure. So Lorna made a really valid point about uh, the teachers and material science is not a subject that is taught in school. So a lot of the students that come here, they have randomly heard of it from other sources. And that's the same thing that happened to me. I had no idea when I applied to university what I wanted to do. I was deciding between chemistry or physics or engineering and none of my teachers knew about material science either it was just a random coincidence that my mom had a friend and colleague over for dinner who was saying have you thought about material science <laughs> and gave me a book and that's how i got introduced to it so outreach and um, trying to reach as many people as possible talking to schools talking to um, kids that might want to do this subject they might just not know that it's an option is quite important to me. Um, I've recently heard someone say in an outreach talk uh, that material science is the most important thing they've never heard of, Mm. and that's so true. Um, It's not taught in schools, and uh, most people wouldn't necessarily know it's a subject or it's an option, which is why it's important for us to raise the awareness of this as a subject.
3: I I had a similar experience to Stella in that... I wasn't really signposted to material science and engineering through my GCSE and A-level studies. And it wasn't until I myself went on an outreach event, uh, like an engineering summer school, where I spent um, half a day going around each of the engineering departments, that I stumbled upon material science and engineering. And ever since, mm-hmm. I've been going around telling people, you know, how, how have we not heard about this? Why is this not... A bigger thing because as soon as you're into that material science and engineering family you realize how interconnected it is and woven into all the other engineering disciplines and so it's really important for us as well myself in particular as a program director now at at a university to see outreach itself uh, as as being very important but from almost a recruitment angle we, we need to raise the overall awareness of materials in society as, as a discipline so that the pool of students from which we're recruiting is bigger so that we have more people coming through um, because there are definitely careers at the end of the pipeline. You know, there are big things to research and investigate and big jobs to have and big problems to try and fix as well. So I definitely think outreach um, is, is the kind of first step in that pipeline.
0: Yeah if I can um, carry on from that what you've both been saying brilliantly particularly that material science is the most important thing that we don't know about and then I'll come on to um, your comments about the summer schools Mark which I think is absolutely excellent and I've got some experience of students that have been on that that I'd like to share with you. I wondered at the start why did you have a design and technology teacher um, come into this really very very important discussion and I think you've both kind of hit the nail on the head because design and technology is the repository where the material science is so important when you're solving problems you can't design a product without understanding the science behind the industrial process that go to make that product. And for us, my science colleagues are very supportive and we uh, work with each other as closely as possible. And this year we're actually putting our um, science week and our engineering week back to back with each other to try and further make those links between the two subjects. So when I'm actually talking in the classroom, about products you know we talk about materials all the time because you can't separate the two in terms of summer schools we encourage the students to go to the summer schools and certainly before the coronavirus out of my cohort that do gcse i had two or three going to a saturday summer school two of those were girls which was excellent and that was the thing that really enthused them like you were saying Mark to actually be there with the university lecturers like yourselves getting hands-on experience and all of those three have gone into um, engineering careers in, in, in some way or other so that's very rewarding and certainly very satisfying from my point of view as well
2: yes so i did admissions interviews this week and uh i i i mean i only did four interviews because we shared them among uh, all academics but um two out of the four told me they attended the summer schools so it it really shows it makes a big difference and we yes. have one here at Imperial as well fantastic initiative from one of my colleagues and we can really see that it enthuses the students it gets them uh, very excited about science and especially about material science so it is making a big difference making these summer schools available definitely
3: I, I think as a discipline that's that's where we are at our strongest um I think the the content of a degree scheme for materials is at its best when we're demonstrating it in, in front of young students, when they can see, you know, an impact test or something exploding or something being stretched and breaking and then trying to make decisions on material selection and trying to solve a problem like that. I'm interested because I think coming back to what you've both said, we, we ran uh, two surveys um, from the Discover Materials Group um, in 2019 and 2020. And we we published these in Materials World. And the second of the three articles showed that of 2,000 Key Stage 5 students that answered the survey, 90% of them didn't really get um, the main definition of material science and engineering right. They just didn't know about it. And I'm interested because, Stella, you were saying there that, that material science isn't taught at schools. I, I'm going to slightly disagree and, and maybe reword it and say it is taught at schools, especially in physics, chemistry, and design classes, but that it's, it's not really, the students aren't told that today we're doing material science and engineering, we're doing material selection, we're doing you know tensile testing, we're going to look at Young's modulus or Hooke's law, or we're going to look at the structure of materials in chemistry today. I think the danger is that back when I was doing my studies, You know, you go to your physics class and you go to your chemistry class and you go to your your DT class and never the three shall meet. They'd be quite ring fenced. I don't think we can be like that anymore. It's going back to what Lorna was saying there about that um, interaction between science and engineering disciplines. And I think we see that now in research teams around the world. You look at publications in general, in every single publication that I've read over the past however many years, it's it's a team of people right it's it's researchers and biologists and geologists and chemists and physicists and mathematicians and historians and we all come together to to work on these research problems so i think mm. one of the key things that we can do is is to highlight to these younger students in these classes that this is material science you don't know it but it is you know and then We need to show them that if you're interested in this bit, then there are options for you to go ahead and study this and have a career in it further on.
0: Yeah, I would um, totally agree with that. And as I say, the staff I work with are quite enlightened. And also, it's a lot about your background. And I come back to what I was saying at the beginning when we were talking about what outreach actually means. If we don't empower the staff, you're never going to have that happening. There's so many initiatives out there. I made a list that sort of ran over two pages of things I've been involved with. And um, they were all not things I'd initiated, but um, initiatives that had come into school that I've grabbed and gone. Yeah, I'll do that. Um, and, you, you know, it's having staff that have got the time to put that extra time of their own into making a rich um, curriculum for the students but, I mean there's so much stuff just for example to pick up your point no we don't make it explicit but they won't make it explicit if they don't understand themselves and I mean I'm really lucky because my background I retrained to be a teacher and I was in product design before that and Clearly, when you're in industry, you are not an island. There is no industry where you are an island unless you're a a sole proprietor. You work with a team all the time, like we do as teachers and university staff. And it's getting that over to students that work in a bubble for the whole of their educational life. Um, that's quite an important thing and when these initiatives comes into school the small piece trust trust do some excellent days where they have to work in teams the IET Faraday um, they do some Dyson do packs that they send into school with videos um, all about the different jobs within a design company like Dyson and, and those kind of rich materials if they're in your school, you're going to get a better outreach, if you like, to those children that are in your school. So it's very multifaceted, isn't it? it there's, there's no sort of one quick fix for this. But one of the main thing is, is, is about empowering your staff and having somebody in your school that. Sees these things that come in and are able to then say to a number of science and DT staff, you know, who wants to coordinate this one and so on. So um, yeah, you're absolutely right. It isn't explicit, but it's not gonna be until you get the stuff within key stage three, key stage four, and key stage five actually upskilled.
2: That is a very good point. And yeah, I'm inclined to agree with everything both of you have just said. Material science is definitely done as part of other subjects, but no one highlights the fact that this is material science. And picking up on your point about upskill of staff and teacher training, uh, that's something that we can definitely work on. And uh, we offer some of that already but definitely uh, a point to improve on for the future
0: um as I mean I've been teaching a very long time now and um I've always loved you know it it's almost like an escape day isn't it Woo, get out of the classroom let's let's go and escape and um actually do learning yourself because again I think Education's about lifelong learning and people that are in education are constantly taking new courses and, and trying to upskill themselves. It's a vocation, not a job. And I'm sure you'd have a big uptake. I mean, I've worked teacher upskill initiatives that unfortunately had to stop because of Covid. And I actually bumped into a teacher when I was doing some moderation this week um, who had been on the course that I'd been with uh, Diane Aston. Um, who was running that initiative? And he just said how marvelous it was and that he would go again, definitely. So there is the will out there to actually participate. And the universities I've worked with, uh, you know, I'd love to come and work with you guys as well. But obviously, depending on the area you're in, I've taken students to Coventry University and that was a, a girls into STEM day, which was absolutely amazing. The girls came back buzzing the boys were really fed up and wanted to go. So I'm like, all right, boys, we'll see if we can sort something out for you. And then COVID again, it's all a bit sad because it's kind of stopped the momentum. Um, but also, love for a materials technology department for A level, absolutely superb. Exactly what you were saying, Mark, about seeing the the tensile testing. Um, They were testing the different types of plastics and doing all sorts of experiments. So that hands-on is so really important at any age group. And if you want to get the kids into it, a leaflet just doesn't crack it these days. Our students expect a lot. Um, The world that we brought them up in. Is so 3D. It's so multimedia, um, and to be honest, that's what they expect. And if you can't hook them with something practical, physical, and exciting, as I say, a <laughs> leaflet just doesn't cut it these days. I'm afraid.
3: I think that the, the role of the teachers is is, is key to this. Uh, looking at the data, so falling again back on on the survey. Advice from, from teachers and careers advisors was one of the top three reasons why students had chosen material science and engineering to study at university. Website content, as you were saying Elona right? The the amount of that these young people now consume online is is phenomenal. And so you know, if you can show YouTube videos or interactive 3D things being inside structures that's the way to entice them and then just touching on what stella said earlier friends and family was the other one so a website friends and family and advice from teachers and careers advisors those were the top three sort of decision making uh points that, that students would 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 fall back on to make their decisions so it's it's fundamental that when we do these outreach activities we also engage and liaise with the teachers as well going on these engineering summer schools you know the students themselves they always have excuse me a a great time but like you said Lorna it's interesting there to hear you say that it's almost like a day out for the the teachers as well a day out of the classroom and to keep that enthusiasm going and to show the students then that what you're learning in the in the classroom has a real world practical application and this is what it is Um, and it's 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 key then for those students to make that connection, I think, along the way.
1: Thank you. Just to interject there, um, firstly, thank you for the shout out for IOM3's Head of Education and Professional Development, Diane Aston, who has been doing a lot of work in outreach for many, many years and is also plugged into the Discover Materials initiative that Mark and Stella work for. Mark and Stella, going back a bit, it would be great to understand a bit more about why and how Discover Materials was set up and what form it takes.
3: So it's like, I feel like I'm pulling rank as as the co-chair of Discover <laughs> Materials there. Um, so Discover Materials is, I think now in its fifth year of conception since it was conceived. One of the reasons why it came together in the first place was in recognition of the fact that the applicants to materials degree schemes in the UK is an order of magnitude smaller than comparable engineering departments. So if you look at chemistry or chemical engineering, aerospace, mechanical engineering, you know, they will have the 10,000 to 15,000 UCAS applicants across the UK every year. We're a tenth of that. We'd be lucky to get 1,500 applicants to materials degree schemes across the UK. This is a, an historical trend And so five years ago, um, some of the heads of departments, um, admissions tutors and outreach officers across the UK decided to come together and work a little more collaboratively, because this is we're not in competition now with each other, this is this is a UK wide problem that we need to increase our awareness and improve these recruitment numbers. And so back in in, um, 2017, the discover materials initiative was formed, it is. Part funded now by um, the Henry Royce Institute, so we have a permanent um, em- employee. So we have uh, Chris Hamlet, who is our coordinator, around which now we form from the heads. Uh, sorry, from the program directors like myself, or outreach officers, or people who have been involved with outreach in the past, such as such as Stella. We are now made up of eleven institutes, eleven educational institutes in the UK. Um, as well as having um, support from the IOM3, the Henry Royce Institute, and a few other materials bodies in the UK.
2: Um, Yes, and uh, to build on uh, what Mark just said, uh, I completely agree. And I've joined the Discover Material initiative a bit after him as well, but I've been doing outreach for about 10 years maybe a bit more now uh, including a lot of different workshops workshops for teachers for students talks experiments all sorts of things but for me the motivation was primarily the lack of women (laughs) in science Uh, so just putting the word out there that we can do science too and you can see it in primary schools especially or even you know early secondary school where um, teachers have asked their students to draw a scientist and the first thing that they do is draw someone like Einstein Um, and then I would come along and give them give them an outreach talk and then suddenly they draw a lady scientist. (laughs) So It's just to try and get the word out there. Discover Materials has been a fantastic initiative and I've been working with them. I've been working with the IM3 and Diane Aston who has kindly put together some very useful tools and boxes and talks that we use for outreach as well. And also with STEM Ambassadors, which is a national program um, as well. So uh, bringing all of this together, we have been managing to raise the profile of materials as a subject, but also trying to raise the diversity in terms of applicants, which is very, very important to us as well.
1: Thanks, Stella. Yeah, that, I mean, that raises an
2: interesting point
1: because, yes, there is a general visibility issue. But what was interesting from some of the findings that Discover Materials reported was that even of the applicants, 50% of those were not based in the UK. And those that were, were weighted towards males from private or grammar schools. So there is a diversity and inclusivity issue in terms of even the pool that is coming in. Are there any specific findings regarding that of why that's why there is that kind of broader visibility issue as a discipline?
2: Well, I think teacher training is going to uh, play quite a big role there because uh, part of the bias of uh, getting males from uh, specific schools is because the teachers there are encouraging them as well. So uh, we need to definitely broaden our uh, teacher training and reach out to more schools, especially girls' schools. We also encounter this issue sometimes where girls' schools don't necessarily offer all the subjects, all the science subjects, so such as physics, We try to work around that uh, by uh, making our admissions offers, saying three sciences, whichever science you did at school, instead of saying physics, chemistry and maths for A-level. But um, it is a problem and it's something that schools should definitely address because even if they have one or two students who want to do physics, they should be given that opportunity.
3: Can I ask um Lorna's Lorna's here today? Can I ask what your gender balance is in your classes, Lorna, that you've seen over the last few years?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have to say, the first engineering groups I, I took were architectural um, civil engineering. I did have quite a 50-50 with girls and boys, but my current classes have no girls whatsoever. My design classes usually are about a third. It's a really difficult issue. And like we were saying at the beginning, there's loads of things that you guys are doing that are really, really helpful to us. But the, one of the other sort of aspects that you need to think about is the influence of parents. And at the end of the day, they have the biggest influence. If you've got a student that takes up some of these challenges that we put out in schools and your days where they can go into universities then the parents then become more informed and more positive about what's going on as well and it's funny like I was saying before you've got you've got that sort of school wildfire thing happening where one student said oh this is fantastic and all of a sudden you know it's gone around the whole school and everybody wants it So I think the same thing is with with parents, that it's not just about staff. It's about being able to get the parents involved with what the students are doing in these extracurriculum. And some of the really exciting initiatives were where the students did presentations at the university or, or wherever it was we were at the time, Um, And then parents were invited in to see these presentations as well. Yeah, so that's another avenue that you might want to consider when sort of having your discussions about strategies to get engagement.
3: It's interesting to hear you say your sort of gender split there, because across the UK of our current materials undergraduate cohort, it is about a 70-30 split between male to female students. Um, And I think one of the problems is that we almost inherit that gender diversity from where we're recruiting from. So if we're recruiting from chemistry, physics, maths, or design classes, and that gender balance is already there, as, as much as the university departments try to encourage applicants from all backgrounds, we can only really recruit from the pool of students that are available. from my opinion and from what the the discover material surveys have found we we have to think a bit more long term and i think stella mentioned it earlier i think if you were to interview 15 16 year olds maybe going into key stage four key stage five age groups they would maybe already have predetermined routes into which they might want to take okay so that gender split has kind of happened already so in my opinion in terms of outreach i think we need to go younger key stage three um, at a minimum we need to target those 11 to 14 year olds before they choose their gcsc classes before they even consider their a-level classes and encourage them at that point to say this is open to all there are, there are no barriers here we can we can certainly do that with examples of successful people that have come from similar backgrounds to them. There are plenty in the materials world. And so the challenge there is, from a university point of view, is to think more long-term because it conflicts a little bit with the recruitment demands that we have as a department. We, we go from UCAS kind of entry to UCAS entry. So we go from January to January. We just want the next top lot of num- numbers in. It's too late by that point. That that gender diverse that gender split has already happened. I, I definitely think we need to go and and sort of explain this at a younger to a younger audience.
0: And there are things out there. So, for example, we're doing we do a big DT um, get art and science involved in like an F one which we do with year sevens, where they design and make and and race the cars then on a on a race day. And things like that are really, really useful because they can then be publicised and that information can go out to the parents. So if you can back onto those sort of initiatives with further information and, um, I don't know, Presentations that can be attached, etc. You've also, as you said, got the ambassadors that come into school, and they do work with our key stage three. But as I say, this is just a snapshot of, of our school and and the things that we can facilitate. But it's having your staff be willing to facilitate them. Um, certainly, I would go down further. I would go down into key stage two and try and break the barrier a bit earlier on, and having sort of professional DT teachers like myself that can do your lower outreach would be I think quite effective because again the parents of the younger children tend to be more hands-on so they're more helicopter parents but obviously as your children get older they become more independent and don't want that helicopter parenting so you as you, they come up the school you're losing that contact with parents
2: and um, I also agree with the, um, we should definitely target younger um, demographics for our outreach. And we do some of that already. There are some issues with that uh, as well. So as much as I enjoy and I encourage my whole group to go into primary schools and to talk to the younger kids, we have to come up with experiments that are um, much safer and much simpler and everything that we do with them has to be, for example, edible, because you never know when they're going to eat it, right? Um, (laughs) Such as if we try to make them build a bridge, which we have done with spaghetti and marshmallows, marshmallows will be gone very, very quickly. (laughs) We have done that before. (laughs) So as much fun as it is, they tend to be much more involved activities so we need a lot more people to do these kinds of experiments and go into schools one by one it's much harder to do. Whereas for uh, the older demographics, doing videos, they uh, consume a lot of content online. So we're working on our platform at Discover Materials with videos, with interactive tools as well. So it becomes a bit easier to reach a wider demographic without having people go individually into each school. Uh, But having said that, it is still very, very important that we do that too. And we try. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I totally um, empathise with the issues. Uh, yeah, trust me, we still have the same issues in Key Stage 3. Um, yeah, I think thinking about tech, the students are, are so tech savvy in so many ways. Virtual reality, um, I think if if you could do, they, they'd want to have a go at it. Games that you know, they can work through and game their way through experiments and design challenges. Um, Anything to actually promote excitement has, I was going to say has got to be, I'm not, (laughs) that is absolutely the wrong thing to say, but in this context is something that I think needs thinking about and discussing. The problem, again, is, of course, it's a lot of cash, isn't it? You know, if you're developing these kind of resources, they're not cheap to develop. But will the actual impact outweigh that cost at the end of the day? You know, it's, it's how far do you want
2: to go? I mean, we're trying to develop some resources but also participate in initiatives that are going to have the widest possible impact as well because our resources and especially in terms of people are quite limited. So, for example, we're doing the Great Exhibition Road Festival, which before COVID used to attract 60,000 people. <laughs> and Now we don't know how many it will do, but um, we'll see. And it's in June, and we're going to do some experiments uh, on a stall outside on Exhibition Road, and you know, hand them cards that are going to have uh, the material science, you know, description and logo. So we're trying to have bigger initiatives, and for that, you know, parents are as welcome as children, right? And teachers. Um, so I think the bigger initiatives like that are probably going to be a bit better uh, in terms of raising awareness. But I think the more important thing is the the response tends to be a bit better if we do very targeted outreach. So if we go into individual schools and talk to them and they like the more personalized approach as well. It's just a question of resources. Um, How do you, I'm sorry to interject there, how do you draw
1: the line between what seems fun, so going from key stage two, the marshmallows and spaghetti, which sounds lots of fun, Mm -hmm. um, all the way up to the tangible career opportunity that that could then offer? I guess, you know, going back to the point about visibility before they make subject choices, um, because I think some of the, the research that um, you did as part of the Discover Material Initiative indicated that many students were actually transferring to material science and engineering after starting university, which suggests that the interest is there, but like going back to our point about the visibility. So when, you know, I remember doing those science, those outreach days at, um, at school myself, and but I don't remember the tangible... Reference to the career that that could correspond to. I mean, obviously, it's evolved a lot since I was at school. But yes, how how do you make those concrete links between what is a cool experiment and what is a a career opportunity, and and actually a quite a fruitful career opportunity? I think.
3: um, Sorry, I, I think one of the key things is designing your your outreach or public engagement event with that in mind so when if for example we we have a new um group now of discover materials ambassadors they've spent last year being trained up um applying for grants to to fund some of these equipments that they need as you say in their lorna obviously you have to start or sometimes with the money and then stella you have to start with the person and then you have to start designing your event so the key thing Rupal, I think, is is always have that learning objective in mind because we can get a little bit carried away, right? We do our outreach events and we get stuck in with the kids and we we you know we we're blowing things up and we're throwing marshmallows at each other and but but we always have to bring it to a head at the end with um with some kind of application. And I think, you know, close relationships with teachers is key. If I think from my personal experience, what I've found when I've gone to do school visits or I've gone to do um, events is I've tried to ask the teachers, you know, what's the theme for this semester or what's the theme for this week? And then if you can tie it into that theme um, with what they've been doing that week, then hopefully that will stick with them uh, a little more. Can I just um, answer the second part of that as well, Rupal? You said that um, there's an interesting statistic in that a lot of the materials undergraduate students actually came from internal transfers Um, and it's it's kind of coming back to what we were saying at the start of of today's podcast in that most students stumble upon material science by accident and so they may have done um, an outreach event when they were younger then they've come to university on some degree scheme and then they go oh yeah I remember that and then they read up a little bit more about it and then they transfer internally. It's actually quite a big statistic for us. Um, Nearly 40 to 50% of our um, undergraduate cohort come in through either a change of course offer through clearing or an internal transfer from another degree scheme, Um, which is quite surprising, right? I can see a few eyebrows going up. And it just goes to show that that's kind of good news for us in a way as well, because once students find out about us, they're quite willing to ditch what they've signed up to and transfer to come and do materials. And just as a, as a final point on that, we don't have many people going the other way. So we don't have people drop in materials and going back to chemistry or going to physics or going to Mech Eng or aerospace. That statistic is very, very, very low. So once you find materials, either through outreach or from an internal transfer, you do kind of stay within the materials family um, and go on he- ahead and have a really good career afterwards.
1: Lorna, I just wanted to kind of build on that. Then that's obviously very interesting, and we've talked about the upskilling of teachers, and you mentioned parents. What are what is from your experience the challenges in influencing the parent perception of? I'm sure you know every, every parent wants their child to have the best career opportunities. So what what's, what are the perception problems that might be influencing parents? Very difficult to answer that
0: question, obviously, because everybody's different. But there is a lot of sort of historical bias still about. And as we were saying before, if you can engage the parents with these new initiatives, then it does help to change that mindset. Certainly when what I've been doing over the last few years is trying to change the emphasis of the project work, applying the knowledge, the project work that I do with um, the children I teach is to make it more environmentally aware. So when we're actually talking to parents at parents' evening and when they come into school, I'll be talking to them about, right, so this project is, yes, we've got to teach them the basics and blah, blah, blah. Um, But actually what I want to do is talk to them about environmental issues through this project by and I know my science um, colleagues as well talk a lot about that. It's such a big topic. It's an international world topic. And I think a lot of the students are a lot more concerned about their future than we give them credit for And um, do take that on board and and take the learning and internalise the learning. So I would hope that continuing that within schools with the support of all these wonderful initiatives that you guys put out there, that actually we would get cohorts coming through that are more materials aware and willing and wanting to, make an impact on how we use them for the benefit of society and the environment of, as a whole and in that way also a lot of the um, publicity that gets into the news even in a small level like the school magazines um, when I publicize the students work I'll say you know this is a materials looking at you know card and paper materials or looking at recycling plastics etc so it's just kind of pushing it out there bit by bit really but as I say I think the environmental and sustainability issues that we have as a world issue is going to make quite an impact on the children we see coming through and their interest and the fact that their parents then support that interest in Actually making a mark on the world themselves.
1: Thanks, Lauren. I mean, that yes, that, that strikes me as a prime there's a prime opportunity at this time to raise the profile of material science and engineering. You know, am 3 were shouting about the fact that materials are going to be critical for the UK to hit our net zero ambitions, to create a more circular economy. So it d- definitely sounds like the, the opportunity is there but how do we um, channel c- that opportunity in the right direction i guess what i'm getting at is there's a lot of you know there's there's the mainstream kind of debates about certain issues and and you know with with the kind of experts that we have here you know some some are channeled in the right direction but others there's more furores over certain topics which maybe detract from the reality and the science so how do you make sure that you're also busting some myths so that we're not just perpetuating thought processes that actually might not be in line with the science based on what they're just reading out there? I, I
0: think, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I think it, it it does. It comes down to the quality within the classroom, doesn't it? And the materials that are available Yeah, I'm just trying to think where we're going with that one. Um, I don't think there's a lot I can add to that debate other than what I've said, really, um, in terms of the fact that the information out there, it's getting talking with you guys as the experts to make sure that we have got the correct information. Kids love samples. I know that sounds like a bit of a random comment I'm throwing in there. But to get hold of proper samples is a nightmare. You know, we've been looking at that for years, and now you have your samples um, cases, which, which are absolutely marvellous. But things like that, the students absolutely love. And they love debate, I have to say. So, you know, if somebody, if I start a debate off about sort of plastic and environmental issues, You know, you get all the stuff, the real concern about um, the blue world and the dolphins and the fish and where does the plastic go inside the fish and then what happens, what happens if we eat the fish and the fact that we don't really know because we've not had this material around long enough. I mean, the students will just come at you with so many really incisive and clever questions, Um, giving them the forum for that debate is you know quite important and could be something just thinking about it that you know we can facilitate more of
2: i think there is there is a forum for this kind of thing i completely agree that sustainability is a big driver for the students and a lot of them even when they come here for interview or when you ask them why are you wanting to study material science uh, they will say, because sustainability because it's important to me, uh, I want to make a difference for the future, lower carbon, zero pollution, uh, you know, circular economy they they will say all of that. so it's clearly super important to them. The other thing that they say that seems very very popular is, especially for the non-UK students, I want to go back to my own country and really make a difference there. (laughs) So these tend to be the two main key motivators that we hear about from the students. So I think you've hit the nail on the head with the sustainability issues. We are quite fortunate in London, uh, where I'm based, that we have a a forum for, for that already, but I think the key will be to expand it a bit more nationwide. So I've been um, part of the mayor of London scientist competitions, and here we're very fortunate to be supported as part of that initiative. And it's all about sustainability. So we've had students develop their own plastic out of potato starch and uh, develop apps to help um, reduce waste. Uh, develop and and they compete for a prize at the end Uh, so it's students from different schools they form teams and they compete at the end and I have been a judge judge for um, this competition a few years ago Um, I think expanding these UK wide and even further would make a big difference Uh, but we would need resources (laughs) that's the same key problem that we go back to
1: Building on that um, and the sustainability points and and a lot of these areas are in the mainstream, there also strikes me as there's opportunities for kind of mainstream role models. Um, Certainly here at IOM3, we were very excited when we discovered that um, the great British bake-off winner last year is an engineer and also an IOM3 member. But could, could role models like that spark a different interest in the subject area? Because it's you know what was quite interesting when I followed the the series was that a lot of the engineering expertise was applied to to the baking um so there are synergies there um there might be scope for developing that side of things love it send them in
3: yeah I think (laughs) I think um the good news about studying any type of engineering degree is that the the skill set that you get is transferable to sort of many aspects of life, whether it's baking or building a house or fixing your car or whatever, right. And I think I think a nice example of that is the CEO of Google, right, one of the richest people in the world was was at one point a material scientist, right. So um, he studied um, metallurgical engineering, then went to Stanford University to do um, material science and engineering, and now runs Google. I I would argue that's not a materials, a a career that he would have at the end, but certainly you would imagine the skill set that he's developed along the way there of being able to process data, you know, um, uh, managing a team, um, how to handle incoming information. um, That's obviously served him really well um, to become the CEO of Google. Um, And so I think, From my experience when I was coming through, I didn't really have a role model when I was 18 or 19. I wasn't really aware of people in the materials industry at the time. Um, It was only really when I came across Mark Miadovnik's book in my undergraduate year that I first came across somebody, you know, in the public eye that was a materials scientist. And then I read his book and and it was wonderful. Um, And obviously he's part now of our um, Discover Materials Advisory Board, uh, and one of the key things that he says, which you probably like this Lorna, is that he it has a preference now to start recruiting more from design um, and, and art backgrounds rather than the conventional sort of chemistry, physics and maths backgrounds that we have now. He sees it more as materials for everybody um, and anybody can be a material scientist. And so having those one or two examples, I think, really, really helps and shows that you can get to the very top if you wanted to.
1: So that kind of neatly brings me on to kind of the next steps. What is Discover Materials planning to do to kind of, you know, we've talked a lot about there are a lot of outreach activities out there. But what will Discover Materials seek to do to coordinate that? And to link with other partners in this space, and 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 to push forward really to to raise the profile of this subject.
3: It's a great question. I think um, I think Stella mentioned it earlier. In that um, we we had built up some nice momentum in our outreach and engagement activities, but unfortunately, COVID put a stop to many of them. We did our best. Uh, I don't know what your experience was, Stella, with the things that you had planned. We we tried our best to transition to online content. Lorna mentioned earlier right students engage better when they fit when they have these physical activities to do so Discover Materials is trying to get that momentum back we're going to hit some of the the larger outreach and public engagement events this year we're going to go to New Scientist Live which is in Manchester um, the 12th to 14th of March we're going to do the Big Bang which is always fun in the NEC and the 22nd of June. Um, we'll also be doing our very first materials themed escape room, which will be in the Cheltenham Science Festival. So come and get locked in a room, find out about material science to, to get back out. And we're also doing lots of other local events. I'm sure Stella's doing stuff in and around London as well. Um, I'm taking part in um, events for British Science Week. And I know Chris Hamlet is doing the Coco Mad Festival in Birmingham on the 2nd of July as well. So lots of big things but also lots of other things like we're running a teacher CPD event. So um circling back to what Lorna was saying earlier about liaising back with the teachers. And finally we've we're going to culminate all this in a new website release. You should be able to go to discovermaterials.co.uk and find a lot of the content. You might see myself on there, might see Stella on there doing some cool outreach events. Uh, Have I missed anything, Stella? Oh, the um, Discover Materials Ambassadors. Do you want to mention about them briefly?
2: Uh, Yes, sure. And we're building content for the website as well. I've definitely filmed a few videos that are going to end up on there. I know that students don't engage as much with the videos as they would maybe if we went to their school or invited them here. But during COVID, that was all we could do. So... (laughs) We did. We did our best, um, especially with uh, the team uh, here. They did some experiments, and then showed them in the videos. Uh, Discover materials ambassadors. Yeah, like Mark said, they're being trained, and quite a few of them have already been trained, including some of my team members here. And they are going to be going in schools, and they're going to be doing experiments. So the more people we can get on board, the better. I definitely encourage my entire team here to um, sign up to Discover Materials, become uh, STEM ambassadors as well, and do as much outreach as they want to, especially since my team, for some unknown reason here, is mostly made of women. (laughs) So I'm very uh, strongly encouraging them to go out there and uh, spread the word and show that we can be quite well represented there's this one poor guy on my team that our group meeting was looking around going where are the men Um, (laughs) i know it's not like this in every team but at the moment it worked out this way for me so i'm very very keen to send them around to as many academies and schools as they possibly can and to try and get the word out there about material science and how fun this is But also, um, we have this talk that we give, which was actually prepared by Diane Aston from from the IOM3. And she she also talked to people that went into different careers afterwards. So there are some people from Siemens, Rolls-Royce, Shell, a lot of the big engineering companies. They all have material scientists on staff. So it's also demonstrating what kind of careers you can have, apart from being the CEO of Google (laughs) um, or winning the great British bake-off. But, um, you know, demonstrating other careers that you can have as a material scientist. And like Mark said, it doesn't just have to be limited to uh, careers and materials. You know, the training that they receive from an engineering degree, such as material science, involves... Data analysis involves a lot of maths, involves problem solving and just a different way of thinking that they can then apply to a lot of other jobs uh, that are not necessarily in materials.
3: Can I add one more thing um, to Stella's comments there and something that Lorna might be happy with? Discover Materials are aiming for this website to to have almost two two faces to it. One would be a student-facing content um that they can sort of watch and they can interact with but there should also be resources on there as well for teachers um so the idea here is to supply sort of pre-packaged lessons that will tie in with some of their curriculum supported by you know the the boxes for the iom3 so you can get things to blow up in the labs and the whole idea there is i think the theme today has been has been to bridge the gap between you know what students are doing in their school studies and just understanding that what they're actually studying sometimes is material science and engineering and that there's a route there that they can go ahead and do materials as a degree and then what we're saying now there's there's fantastic careers to have afterwards
1: thanks mark i think that's a kind of nice almost call to arms as well for our, our listeners within the various material science sectors that actually there's a role for everyone to play in in um, shouting out about what they do, the career opportunities that are available and, and also the tangible impact that we've said on, on society as a whole. I would obviously want to thank you for, for your contribution today. It's been really, really interesting. And, and obviously to say that if anyone wants to get involved in material science outreach, please do contact IOM3 or the Discover Materials Initiative because it sounds like the more hands-on-deck the better, really. Um, thank you so much for your contribution today.
3: Thank you, it's been really fun.
1: Thank you. Such great,
0: it's lovely to do liaise with
1: you all.
0: For more information about us, visit IOM3.org. Or to keep up to date with our latest news, follow us on social media using IOM3 on Twitter and at the Institute of Materials, Minerals and Mining on LinkedIn. If you're interested in our upcoming podcasts or want to get involved, please subscribe to hear more from us through Apple, Google Podcasts or Spotify.